Open your Bibles up to Hebrews chapter 11, if you would. Hebrews chapter 11, we'll start there, and then we'll make our way over to Acts chapter 9 in a few minutes. My name is Jim Fleming. Uh, Most of you I know, some of you I don't. For those of you that I don't, my name is Jim. Hello. I'm interactive, so I may ask you questions directly. Answers are good. Correct answers are better. You get extra credit for those, so just so you know. I've been a member here at Stewart Heights for almost 15 years, and I teach a Sunday school class at the Hickson campus and have benefited greatly from many of you, uh, and thank you for that. Last week, our staff asked me to speak, uh, and I'm very excited about today. I'm very grateful and very honored to be able to come speak to you today. So Hebrews chapter 11, we'll start in verse 1. This is known as the Hall of Faith because it celebrates so many famous Bible characters. Verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. And then starting in verse 4, it's the list of heroes. It's the list of people that are famous beyond fame in the Old Testament. So verse 4, it talks about by faith Abel. Verse 5, by faith Enoch. Verse 7, by faith Noah. Verse 8, by faith Abraham. Verse 11, by faith Sarah. Verse 17, by faith Abraham again. Verse 20, by faith Isaac. Verse 21, by faith Jacob. Verse 22, by faith Joseph. Verse 23, by faith Moses. Verse 24, by faith Moses. Verse 31, by faith the harlot Rahab. Verse 32, and what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David. Now this list is a list of people that are so famous that David is an also. David's kind of a big deal in the Old Testament. Very few lists is he an also. This is how famous we're talking about. And Samuel in the prophets, verse 33, who, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Wow. This is stuff that is hard to believe and would be impossible to believe if it weren't written in the pages of Scripture itself. But that period in the middle of verse 35 changes everything. The next word in your Scripture is probably the word others. And if you write in your Bible, just circle that word others. Others were tortured. Well, that doesn't sound incredible. Others were not accepting deliverance. Others, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes, in chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. That doesn't sound incredible. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And my question to you this morning is, what were their names? Because we saw a dozen or more names in verses 1 through 35. And then we have the others. What were their names? So I would tell you that Hebrews 11, and if you're a blank filler outer, this is where your blanks start. Hebrews 11 
has two different types of faithful people. One, God gave faithful heroes. God gave faithful heroes. Now, some of you grew up in churches uh, like I did where uh, the teacher might have used something called flannel graph. Does anybody remember flannel graph? Yes. So we're going to hit the next slide for me there. We're going to take a great moment in flannel graph history lesson here for a second. Okay? So flannel graph, if you're not sure what it is, it's basically a fixed backing that you applied characters and different objects to so that you could tell a variety of Bible stories on. And your church may have used these. If your church didn't, that's okay. You'll get the feel of what's going on real quick. So let's go to the next slide. Very typical flannel graph picture. Uh, who would the person in red be? Who? Noah. Noah, right? And you know this instantly because the animals are crossing the river and the ark is in the background, and there we go, right? This makes sense. Now, what you didn't know is that's also the Jordan River. Because next week when we talk about Jesus getting baptized, we're going to take Noah off and put Jesus up, and that's going to be the same background. Okay? So just so let's go to the next slide. Jesus is shown in flannel graph almost always like he is a real estate agent or a pageant queen with his arm up, like I'm displaying here what's going on. I don't, I'm not sure what, what this is, always, but he's just, he's just almost always there. So he's speaking to his disciples here. Uh, let's go to the next one. The next one here, again, he's, he's got his arm up again, right? He's got the little boy. What do you think the little boy has in his basket? Fish and bread, right? Yeah. So these, these images are meant to evoke these memories of these famous things in the Scripture. Let's go to the next one for me. And flannel graph can be really, really big. I don't know if you can tell what that black object is up close, but that's actually a microphone stand. That flannel graph is probably about 6 feet tall and probably 15 or 20 feet wide. So really, really big flannel graph, probably for a large room with a lot of kids that they need to be able to see from a distance. So great moments in flannel graph history. But in verse 35 of Hebrews chapter 11 we have to move past the flannel graph. Because there's no, go to the next slide for me, guys. There's no flannel graph for being sawn in two and tortured in change and all these other things that were listed there in verses 35 and 36 and 37 and 38. So the first type of people God gives in Hebrews 11 are faithful heroes. The second, God gave faithful others. Faithful others. And their lives are reminders that life isn't always clean and neat. And Hallie, thank you for singing that song this morning because it, it reminds us that life is not always clean and neat. But we have someone who will be there with us. And it is beautiful. It is a beautiful thing. We have a real enemy who is fighting for keeps. There are stories with tragic earthly endings. There are stories that we struggle to understand and stories of men and women behind the scenes. And quite frankly, the majority of the people in the Bible are others. Because we don't know the names of the millions of Israelites who walked across the Red Sea. Dry. When they started, and dry when they ended. I don't know their names. I know a few, but not very many. Millions of others. So the, cat, the question I have then is, which category do we fall into? Are we heroes, or are we others? What do you think, Phil? Others, that's right. He's nervous. It's okay. Be bold with your answer. It's all right. We're the others. We're the others. I find I relate to the others far more than the heroes. And I came to the conclusion several years ago that when I die, CNN is not going to be interviewing my wife. It's not going to happen. Now, she's excited about that because she didn't want anything to do with anybody interviewing her. She's going to be angry at me that I said this right now. Um, you may have also noticed that there was no Jim Fleming flannel graph. Right? Yay. Good. Got to laugh with me here, guys. The jokes are going to be regular. They're not going to be good, but they're going to be regular, okay? 
But I'm okay with not being famous, and I'm, no, I'm okay with not being the hero, because the Bible is not about me. The Bible is not about the others. The Bible is actually not even about the heroes. Uh, I found a video online that I want to show you. This is an adaptation of Tim Keller's speech to the Gospel uh, Coalition a couple of years ago. So, guys, if you want to go back and let's watch that video real quick. So who's the Bible about? Jesus, absolutely. If you know me, you know that at least one blank on the answer is going to be Jesus. We are going to talk about Jesus because there's just nothing better to talk about, quite frankly. The Bible is all about Jesus. Everything in the Bible points to Jesus. The heroes and the others points to Jesus. I'm going to take just a second to talk about Friday because something changed in our country on Friday. A group of folks decided that sin was going to be legal. And the problem I have with that, with making uh, homosexuality able to have marriage as an option, is that marriage is about Jesus as well. Because marriage is a picture of God's love toward his church. Because Jesus is the groom and the church is his bride. And when you take away one or either of the, those, you no longer have a picture of Jesus and his church. The reason we don't mess with marriage is because God defined it a very specific way in the Garden of Eden so that he could use it as a picture to point to Jesus thousands of years later. That's why we don't mess with it. And I am confident that Gary Jared and Brian Smith will have something to say about that in the coming weeks. So I will let them handle all the other pieces of that. I just didn't want to miss that. So back to the others. Flip over in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. I want to show you a little story about some others, and we'll park here for the rest of the lesson today. Now, Acts chapter 9, I'll give you a summary to get us up to our verses in 23, 24, and 25. But at the beginning of Acts chapter 9, we meet a fellow named Saul. Actually, we find out more about Saul. And Saul later becomes who? He has a name change. He later becomes Paul, right? But right now, he's Saul. Right now, the thing that he is known for is genocide. Because genocide is what we would call a governmental system systematically executing people for their religious beliefs. That's what we call that. Which is not a word that we use with Paul very often. But I'll use it with Saul. At the beginning of chapter 9, he's converted on the Damascus Road. This is he sees the light. He's blinded, he accepts Christ, move on into Acts chapter 9, he meets Ananias. Ananias is one of the most beautiful people in all of Scripture because the Greek word that is used for Ananias welcoming him in and introducing him to others is that he put his arm around him. You want to talk about inclusion? You want to talk about diversity? There you go. That's all you want and more, I promise put his arm around him, introduced him to these other disciples. In Acts chapter 9, verses 20, 21, and 22, Saul preaches. He's not preaching against Jesus. Now he's preaching Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. This gospel just does amazing things. And then we get to Acts chapter 9, verse 23. And a lot of commentators, you may have a note in your Bible, a lot of commentators think that there's actually about a three-year gap between verse 22 and 23. Saul may have gone to Arabia here for a few years to get training and education, but he comes back in verse 23, and at the longest, he's only been a believer for three, three and a half years. We get to verse 23. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews 
and these are the enemies of Christianity at this time, they plotted or counseled together, deliberated to kill Saul. But their plot became known to Saul. And the Jews watched the gates. Um, Sean, can I borrow you for a sec? Come here for a sec. Thanks. I'm going to show you what this word means. So you just stand wherever you want. This is what the word watched means. Does that make you comfortable? Not really, right? Why don't you move? Watched. This is all up in your business. Because what are they trying to do? Kill him, right? They're trying to kill him. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. Um, they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples, now I, I missed their names. What are their names? Don't know. They're the others, right? Then the disciples took Saul by night and let him down. Now, this Greek word for let him down is a very specific word. I'll give you the whole definition. It means to send or let down from a higher place to a lower place by slackening or loosening something. By slackening or loosening something. Now, what would you use to take something from a higher place to a lower place that could be slackened or loosened? A rope. Yes. I had somebody one time say, a chain. I'm like, it's the middle of the night. We're trying not to make noise. Let's not use chains. Let's use a rope. Ropes are quiet. They let him down through the wall. And there's a parallel passage in 2 Corinthians 11 where we actually find out that it's through a window and then down the wall in a large basket. Because that makes all kinds of sense, right? Yeah. Well, quick word about biblical architecture. Uh, where, where they lived right here were... Um, not yet on that slide, guys. Where they lived right here were between walls. They lit, their houses lived in between walls. So they had an inside wall to the city and an outside wall to the city. And they lived in between those places. There would be windows up high. They, they were very high windows because you wouldn't want to put windows low in the wall to your city. Why? Because the bad guys get in, right? You put windows very high. So if you wanted to get somebody out under cover of darkness, not going through the gate, you stick them in a basket, tie ropes around it, and drop them over the side. Now, the interesting thing is that this is the third time that this was done in Scripture. It was done in, uh, for the spies at Jericho. Rahab did this. And it was done, uh, Michal, uh, David's wife, did this. She sent him out the window as well. Uh, and you might think this sounds like a cowardly way to exit the premises. Right? It doesn't sound like, well, let's take a stand for Jesus and let's, here I stand, I can do no other, right? Well, Jesus actually tells his disciples, when they persecute you in one city, flee to another city because the message has to spread. The message is more important than the messenger. So here we are. So let me recap. Saul's trapped in a city. He needs to get out. He's at a house of a believer. His house exists in the space between two, two rock walls. He's literally between a rock and a hard place. Somebody gets the bright idea and remembers this story. And they decide to put Saul in a basket, tie a rope around it, and lower him through a window and down the wall. I want to illustrate this for you. That's what my container's for. Guys, you ready? Let's go. It's awesome because we have a balcony. didn't think you're going to see this today, did you? <laughs> so what I got yesterday from Lowe's 
was a container that is military grade and it is ready to hold, I think about 300 pounds. I'm not 300 pounds. I got some rope that is rated to hold about 400 pounds. I got carabiners on the outside of this thing that are rated to hold about three to 400 pounds each. Actually, I went with the cheaper ones. They're hold, they hold about 250 pounds, don't they, Caleb? Yeah, the 300 pound ones are too expensive. So where y'all wanna be, guys? You wanna do it over here? Does that work? Everybody can see? Cool. So what these guys are gonna do, uh, these are some of my friends. Y'all might wanna turn around so you can see this. They're going to get this ready while I talk about this scenario. Now, would it ever have crossed your mind to put somebody in a basket, tie a rope around it, and lower them out the window? You've got to be in pretty dire straits to do that, right? Why would you have to be in pretty dire straits? It's a little dangerous, right? Yeah, I'm kind of nervous. Just a little bit. My son actually was praying last night that I wouldn't die when we did this. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. You're still nervous, aren't you, Caleb? Yeah. Um, now, here's a couple of things to remember. Gary's at Saudi Daisy today. Daryl and Brian are in Honduras. Nobody has to know. Okay. Y'all ready? About ready? You're almost there? So before I do this, I just want to ask a very simple question. Y'all okay with this? What, Walter? Walter objects. Why do you object, Walter? I might fall, and then what might happen? I could get hurt. Who am I relying on here? If I get in this basket and go over the side, who am I relying on? These others. Now, how long has Saul been a believer? Maybe three years tops. What did he do before that? He killed people. So let's find a mass murderer right now and put him in this church for three years and then find four guys that are going to risk their life to save his. This is where we are. Now, how many of you think I'm going to get in this basket? I ain't getting in that basket. Are you crazy? <laughs> this is crazy. This is ridiculous. They are. <coughs> I love these guys. I do not trust their t- rope tying skills. This is your. Really? Caleb, I'm not getting in this basket, okay? <laughs> you good? You breathing better now? Awesome. Cool. I've got some questions up on the screen. Thank you, guys. I've got some questions up on the screen that I think, that I think just may have been going through some people's minds when all this was going down. Now, the first one I think is the most important because what do you think was going through Saul's mind? He's in the basket. They close the lid, they tie it up. What do you think is going through his mind? Hope it works. What else? Don't let go of the rope. (laughs) That might come up. That might come up. Don't let go of the rope. I think it came up a few times in his mind. I want to focus on the rope holders this morning. I want to talk to you about them and their lives for just a minute. My heart's actually beating pretty quick just thinking about getting in there, and I didn't actually even get in there. (laughs) I don't know the last time you picked up a grown man, but they're heavy. 
even in concert with several other people, this would have been difficult. But these others loved Saul enough to hold the rope. Now, performing this task successfully, which they did, because we didn't read about Saul breaking any bones here, right? So they did this successfully. Would have taken a few things from these others. Here's your next blank. Number one, choice. They chose to risk their lives because they chose to meet in the middle of the night. They chose to love. They made a choice to hold that rope. Number two, courage. They risked their lives for Saul's sake. If they'd have been caught, guess what would have happened to them? They'd have been killed too. They put their lives on the line for this guy. And remember, this was just Saul. This isn't the legend yet. He didn't become Paul for four more chapters. It's just Saul. They had 1 John 3.16 love. By this we know love because he laid, laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Number three, they had strength. Caleb, you know I love you, right? That's my boy. Wait a minute. I did not ask four guys the size of Caleb to do this. Right? Why, Caleb? Not strong enough, right? These guys were strong enough. They were not too tired to do the hard work of rope holding. They didn't burn themselves out on their own work, so they had no strength left to hold Saul's rope. Jesus wants our bodies, not just our souls. He really does. He needs physical bodies to do the work the hard work of rope holding for others in our church. Now, I'm not talking to you if you're going through some type of an illness. I had an ear infection earlier this week, and it sealed up my ear. Uh, I think the eardrum actually burst, and I'm on a lot of medication right now. I went to the doctor to get over that, but I was on my back for a couple of days, not able to hold too many ropes on my back. So if you're going through some type of an illness, I'm not talking about that. But if you're going through a period of laziness, I'm talking to you. I go through periods of laziness where I like to sit on the couch and do a whole lot of nothing. And I can't do a lot of rope holding from the couch. Fourth, cooperation. This happened at night. Somebody had to be in charge. Somebody had to organize. Somebody had to bring the rope. Somebody had to bring the basket. They had to work together. Because if one person lowered too fast, he's going to lean a little. So everybody's working in cooperation. And then... The thing to remember is that they couldn't talk about this. This was a story they didn't get to go tell people. Because if they go tell people what happens, or it gets out, they die. They had to cooperate to be quiet. Imagine that in the body of Christ. I'll leave that one alone. So you say, Jim, what's the big deal? What's the point? Why should I hold a rope? Well, a couple things. Number one... I don't know who's in my basket. So they just had Saul in the basket. They didn't have Paul in the basket. There'd have been people volunteering all over themselves to hold the rope for Paul. Because I guarantee you, if we said, Gary Jared is only going to live if I can get four guys to get up there and put him in a basket and lower him down, I bet I could get 20 out of this audience right now. But if I walked in a death row convict who killed some of your friends, that's a whole different volunteer set. That's hard. That's really hard. See, I don't know who's in my basket, so I hold the rope. You might have a saw in your basket. Don't let go of the rope. Number two, I might be the only one holding somebody's rope. If you're the only one holding on and you let go, it makes it harder on everybody because when that basket hits the ground, it makes an awful mess. 
And many of you have experienced life where you've walked into somebody's life and the baskets hit the ground and there's a mess and you need somebody to help clean it up. Don't let go of the rope. And then number three, this is my favorite part, somebody's holding my rope. Somebody's holding my rope. I want us to think about everybody in our lives holding our ropes. And for most of us, it began with our parents. Maybe you had a school teacher that made a difference. Maybe you had a friend, a best friend, a classmate. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe for some of you, it's your kids or your grandkids. I don't know. Some of us are called to hold some ropes our entire lives. And some of us, it's just for a season. I want to talk about a couple of mine real quick. So the first rope holder in my life is my wife. I'm not going to point her out where she's sitting, lest she be embarrassed. Love you, babe. Um, I am not always the easiest person to love. Giving you plenty of opportunity to say amen here, Julie. <clears throat> Crickets, I'm going to take that as a yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, but she's kind and supportive, and I love you. Thank you for that. Uh, I brought some of my rope holders with me today, my 2 a.m. friends. They actually have left, and they're headed to the next campus to set all that stuff up there. But those are my guys that, uh, that I can call at 2 o'clock in the morning. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, you know what they're going to do? They're going to pick up the phone. And I'm going to learn everything I need to know about them when they do. Because a lot of people, you call at 2 o'clock in the morning, turn the phone over. Justin, you going to pick up the phone when I call you at 2 o'clock in the morning? Yep. He has, actually. I've got some prayer warriors. One of them is my mom. My mom became a believer a couple of years before I was born, and somebody told her that you need to pray for your kids every day they're alive. And she said, okay. So today is the 14,288th day she's been doing this straight. That's a heck of a rope. I've got some other people at the Hickson campus that pray for me every day. One of them is Darla Skinner. Some of you know Darla. They hold that rope every day. Now, is there anybody on this list that feels like I might be leaving out? Who, who did I tell you before that there's always going to be a blank in my handout for? Jesus. Jesus holding my rope. Because there's going to come a day in my life where my wife, where my 2 a.m. friends, where my mom and Darla let go of that rope. Because they're human beings and they can only hold the rope so long. But he will never leave us alone. And I am so excited about that. And I need you to understand that this is a promise. This promise of Jesus Christ to always be with us, to always hold the rope, is only for the believer. And if you have come today and you do not know Jesus Christ, this promise is not for you. You are on your own. And that should scare you to death. Because I don't know if you figured it out or not, but when you're in the basket, you can't hold the rope. I can't hold my own rope. It doesn't work that way. I've got to have somebody doing it for me. So you might ask, whose rope can I hold? It's a good question. I've got a couple options for you here. First is the unbeliever's rope. I don't know who you know that's not a believer, but don't give up. Don't you let go of that rope. You keep witnessing, you keep praying, you keep sharing the gospel. 
you keep it up. You can hold the believer's rope. Support the members of Jesus' church. And I'm not just talking about Stuart Heights. Support the members of Jesus' church. This is much bigger than just us. Don't let go of the rope. If you're married, your spouse's rope. Now, this is a tough one because some of us have had spouses that let go of the rope and made a mess. And we had to come alongside and have folks help. But hold the rope. And if you've got kids, your kids' rope. Our children are under attack. The world that they live in changed Friday. We have an adversary who is described as a lion roaming about trying to eat people. If the Chattanooga Zoo called the news and says, our lions just got out, everybody needs to know the thing you're not going to do is send your kids out into the world with no protection. We're going to protect them. You better hold your kids' ropes. So what do I do with that, right? I mean, what do I do with that? So now what? Well, number one, hold my brother's rope. Rope holding is a great way to love people. And I love faithful hands. I love faithful hands that love the people on the other end. Faithful hands that were at risk of being caught themselves. Faithful hands that often go unnamed. Faithful hands that are not consumed with being famous. This Bible's not about me. The Bible's not about you. The Bible's about Jesus. I love faithful hands that prepare for those that come. Faithful hands that serve those that arrive. Faithful hands that come up afterward and say, how can we help and clean up? Faithful hands that hold the rope. Now, you've probably heard that behind every good man is a... I actually don't believe that's true. I think behind every good, faithful man are faithful men and women holding the ropes. Because none of us got here on our own. We all had people that held our rope. Now, I don't want to tell you that rope holding is glorious and rope holding is fabulous and there'll be billboards with your name on it that says you held the rope. Rope holding, if you do it long enough, will cause blisters. And it's painful, and your hands will cramp up. And it might get old, but the person in the basket is worth it. Because Jesus loves everybody in the basket. And they're worth it. Number two, hold my sister's rope. I didn't want the ladies to feel left out. Rope holding is worth it because of the people in the basket. Who is Jesus putting in our baskets? Think about that today. Everybody needs help. See, we will get tired and our hands will hurt, but we are all here today because we are people of the basket. We have been in the basket. Don't let go of the rope. Don't let go of the rope. And the most important thing I want you to understand about today's lesson, remember the video that we watched, The True and Better? You can do that with any Bible character in the Old Testament. He's the true and better. The interesting thing is you can also do that with any Bible character in the New Testament. He's the true and better them too. So the last blank here is be held by Jesus. Be held by Jesus. See, Jesus is the true and better rope holder because his hands never get tired. His endurance never wanes. His resolve never, never, never wavers. He will never 
let go of the rope. Now, I also don't want anybody to misunderstand and think that I am preaching a works salvation. Actually, I am preaching a works salvation. I'll tell you that. Jesus worked. We enjoy it. You, do, you will not go to heaven because you have held somebody's rope. We are obedient because we hold the ropes. But please understand that Jesus is holding our rope, and that is what makes all the difference. Trust him to hold your rope. He can do it. He is the true and better rope holder. Pray with me, if you will. Father, we thank you for your big, beautiful plan of redemption. We thank you for sending Jesus to hold our ropes. We thank you for the protection of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for being a faithful God. Many of us have come this morning wanting to hear from you. And I ask during this time of invitation that you would speak to our hearts. Convict us where we have been ungrateful to you for faithful rope holders in our lives. Burden us with a strong desire to faithfully hold our brothers' and sisters' ropes. And help us to see what a beautiful Savior Jesus is for eternal faithfulness in holding our ropes. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to let you know that this is an opportunity for anyone that would like to learn how to be a child of God, how to be a part of the family of others and rope holders that I've been talking about this morning, part of the family that God holds. This is also a time that if you'd like to come and join with this local congregation and be a member of Stuart Heights, we'd love to have you. Maybe you've been waiting to be baptized and you want to take your first step of obedience. We'd love to have you. Maybe you just need to come forward this morning and thank God for a rope holder in your life or pray for God to strengthen your hands so that you can be the rope holder he would have you to be. Maybe you just need to sit where you are and praise God for faithfully holding the rope of your life. Just be obedient. (laughs) 